For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That, of course, is John 3.16. And I wanted to, in this short post uh, podcast, I wanted to kind of show the reformed understanding of the will of man and what is it that this whosoever will. In John 3.16, Jesus loved the world in such a way that he redeemed a particular people. Uh, you can read that in Titus 2.14, Hebrews 10.14. This includes all nations and tribes and tongues of people. You can read that in Revelation 5.9. John 3.16 does not say whosoever will. That actually term isn't even there. It simply says whoever or, or whosoever or whoever believes this whosoever is also probably better translated as whoever believes or the believing ones. Uh, the HCSB actually has a real great translation of John 3.16, which I think is probably the best translation of John 3.16 I've ever seen. Anyway, this verse in no way is teaching a universal atonement. Um, it is true that all that believe in Christ will be saved. Both the Reformed and the Arminian will be in agreement with that. Those of us of the Reformed faith truly believe in the free, author, the free offer of the gospel and are commanded by Christ to share the gospel with all sinners. We, we don't know who the elect are. They don't glow a special color for us to pick them out. Uh, God has ordained the ends as well as the means as far as bringing those to Christ. Any sinner that repents and turns to Christ will be saved. No man can come to the Father except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's John 6.44. The question is, how do sinners get to the point of belief? Is it free will or is it sovereign election? The Bible makes it very clear it is not the will of man. You can read that in John 1.13 and Romans 9.16. We, we don't come to Christ of our own free will within ourselves. It is actually the divine choice of God. Uh, you can read that especially in Romans 8.29, uh, Romans 9.15, Ephesians, basically Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 11. Uh, that's how we get saved, is, is by the divine choice of God, not a choice within ourselves, not of our own self. Man is unable to even seek after God. We read that in Romans chapter 3. Uh, we cannot come to Christ of our own free will, and we are dead in sin, Ephesians 2.1. Since we are in such a dire situation, the only hope for salvation is God changing our hearts. You can read that in Ezekiel 36.26. And God has to do all the work of salvation for us. We cannot boast in our own works, and even the faith we have is by grace and is a gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God doesn't do the believing for us, but he gives us the ability to believe. And, and only through giving us that ability can we believe. We can't even believe in Christ without the work of the Holy Spirit doing something first. We do come to Christ freely, not forced, but it is God that gives us that ability. Just like how God had to first open Lydia's heart in Acts 16, 14, he must also open our hearts so that we can receive the gift of salvation and we can receive faith and we can be redeemed. As John 6, 37 states, all that the Father gives to Christ will come to Christ. 
Verse 39 shows plainly that those given to Christ will be raised up at the last day. And verse 40 shows, <clears throat> verse 40 shows it is the Father's will that those that believe on Christ will get raised up. All those that receive this changed heart and work of the Spirit will come to Christ. It is guaranteed. Now you can read that in John 6, 37. But so then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. That's Romans 9, 18. It is only Christ's sheep that hear his voice, and those that are not of his flock do not have the ability to believe. Uh, John chapter 10, verses 26 and 27. Paul in Romans 9, 19-23 explains after answering an objection similar to the one an Arminian would ask that God makes one people for honorable use and another for dishonorable use. He explains that certain people are prepared for destruction and others prepared beforehand for glory. This is how God can hate Esau and love Jacob in Romans 9, 13 even before they are born or done good or evil. Paul even explains that this is the case in order that the purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, Romans 9.11. Peter also says that those that reject Christ do so because they are destined to, 1 Peter 2.8. Jude even mentions people ordained to condemnation, Jude 4. And Acts mentions those ordained to eternal life, Acts 13.48. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is none else. I am God. There is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. It's Isaiah 46, 9-10. I believe the problem lies in the, in the inability of people to grasp God's sovereignty. Ask any Christian, Armenian, or Reformed if they believe in God's sovereignty, and both would agree wholeheartedly. Ask them if they believe that God knows all events, past, present, and future, and both will agree. Ask them if God ordained every event that comes to pass, and they might agree. Some Armenians would say yes, but all Reformed would definitely say yes. Ask them if God ordains the salvation of the elect and the damnation of the reprobate, then you will get a heated debate. Arminians saying no, and Reformed saying yes. The Bible teaches us in Isaiah 46, 9-11, through 11, that, de that God declared the end from the beginning, and that He will bring to pass all that He purposed. There is simply no event in time or space that has come to pass unless the Lord has ordained it, and given a purpose for it, as Romans 9 and others declare, that e that even includes the reprobate. Uh, those going to hell. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? That's Romans 9, 22-23. You must understand that those that believe in an autonomous free will have a problem with those destined for hell as well. Since God knows all events before even one molecule of the universe is created, then he must know who will go to heaven and who will go to hell. Could not God have only created people that would choose him out of their free will? Since God created people that he knew would not free will love him, but he created those people anyway, 
God could have chosen simply to not create those people. So, in the Reformed view, we see a purpose in the reprobate. God from eternity past elected some to salvation and others to reprobation. He actively works faith and salvation in the elect, but passes over the reprobate so that they will stay in their sins. God is not producing unbelief in the reprobate, since we all reject Christ by nature, Ephesians 2.3. He is simply leaving them in their sins and rebellion. God actively works in the elect, passively works in the reprobate. The elect receive mercy, the reprobate receive justice. Nobody gets injustice. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering for usward not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3.9 Alas, the problem of taking a verse out of context. Context. 2 Peter 3.9 seems to be the go-to Arminian verse. There are many questions and context. Many questions and the context needs to be resolved. Uh, first, who is Peter talking to? The answer is the beloved. Verse 3.1, uh, chapter 3.1, 8, and 14 are those who have obtained faith. In other words, believers. So in 2 Peter 3, 9, when it says God is not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance, who is the any and who is the all? The answer is quite simple. It is the ones that he is long-suffering for, the you, the us word. In other words, believers. In following the context and seeing who Peter is talking to, it is easy to see that he is addressing believers here. Second Peter chapter 3 is stating that God is willing to wait millennia, verse 8, until all the elect are brought to faith, verse 9, before the second coming of Christ, verses 10 through 13. In conclusion, we, we as Reformed believe the gospel message is open to all. We don't know who the elect are, and so we proclaim the gospel liberally to all sinners everywhere, Matthew 28, 19. God has ordained the method in which people are drawn to faith, and that is through the preaching of the gospel, Romans 10, 14-17. We can join our Arminian brothers and sisters in proclaiming that whoever believes in Christ will be saved, John 3, 16. I, I hope that's helpful, and I hope that explains a little bit better briefly how the Reformed see the will of man and how the Reformed see election and coming to faith. Uh, to God be the glory. Thank you.